Welcome to Douglas Wilson's The Plodcast, presented by Canon Press. So, welcome to the podcast. This is episode 278. My name is Douglas Wilson, and here we are again. So, I want to um, talk about the rainbow flag. This is, uh, in the advertising world, they call this branding. And what is being branded? Well, the fact that we have had um, pride flags as part of this gives us part of the answer. A number of years ago, Nancy and I went to England, and, and we drove from London all the way up to Scotland. And one of, the things, one of the things that was striking about that was the absence of bumper stickers. <laughs> you know, Americans like to put bumper stickers on their car. They like to tell you that their kid's an honor student, or you pull up at a stoplight, and, they want to, and, and the car ahead of you says, while we're here, let me tell you a little joke. While we're here, let me introduce... Uh, politics into our discussion. Uh, so you see a Biden sticker. Okay, I know his political affiliation. You see a, a Trump sticker. Okay, I know his political affiliation. You see a rainbow sticker. Okay, he's for LGBTQ rights and and so on. That that sort of thing is what we think is going on, where a claim of personal conviction is being made. It's like putting a yard sign up during a political campaign, putting a yard sign up in your yard saying, basically, I'm going to vote for Smith, and I'm encouraging those of you who are undecided to also vote for Smith. But if you drove into a town and you drove up and down the main drag, and let's say seven of the stores had a swastika flag flying out front. Would you think that this is just a matter of personal conviction? Uh, let me tell you how I'm going to vote in the next election. No, when you have flags out front, when you have the flags flying, what that is, is laying claim to territory. Okay, you're, you're staking a claim to territory. Uh, when Columbus lands, he plants a flag. When we went to the moon, we planted a flag. And that planting is a statement. We got here first. We're laying some sort of claim to it. The fact that the uh, pride flags are everywhere is basically saying this town, if you drove into a town and there are rainbow flags up and down Main, Main Street, people are saying, in effect, this is claimed territory. Or another way of saying it is this is occupied territory. Now, I'm of the conviction that Christians need to figure out some way of pushing back, some way of resisting this, because if you're not resisting it, then you're letting, you're letting the claim that you're occupied territory stand. There has to be some sort of way to resist it. Put, put a Christian flag out uh, for the whole month of June. Uh, and and you know, I've noticed that uh, it starts with June, but there are many people around our small town who have their rainbow flags out year-round. 
this is um, this is a total this is a uh, total war. This is a total campaign. This is a clash of worldviews, and so consequently, we have to recognize that it's not possible, simply not possible, to have two universal total worldviews occupy the same space. Not going to happen. Always will be God. So, continuing on with episode 278 in the podcast, one of the Ten Commandments, that being the ninth, prohibits perjury, false witness against your neighbor. Now, the, the Bible prohibits lying, but the ninth commandment is not primarily against lying. It's against one species of lie, uh, lying in court, lying under oath. Now, it follows from this that you shouldn't lie to one another. Colossians says, do not lie to one another, seeing you put off the old nature with its evil practices. It says that in Revelation, the lake of fire is reserved, among other things, for liars. The devil is the father of lies. So lying is obviously sinful. But the ninth commandment is prohibiting a particular kind of lying, a uh, lying under oath uh, uh, where you're bearing false witness against your neighbor. You swore to tell the, the truth and nothing but the truth, and then you didn't. It's not surprising, therefore, that we run into the same thing or into the same sin in our study of homartiology. Uh, the word epiorkeo epiorkeo means to forswear, which in its turn means to swear falsely. Uh, Matthew 5.33, Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now, this is the KJV again. Forswear means uh, modern translations will say, Thou you shall not swear falsely. Thou shalt not forswear thyself. Now, Jesus is going above and beyond. The Lord's teaching in this place is that in many cases, it simply shouldn't rise to that level. Uh, he says your yes or no should have been sufficient. You shouldn't have to take out a stack of Bibles to swear because the last time you swore, you swore falsely. No, that's not, that's not the way it ought to be. So, you shall not forswear thyself, but shall perform to the Lord, unto the Lord, thine oaths. Now, the, the people who are saying, don't swear falsely, are correct that you shouldn't swear falsely. But the Lord, so the Lord is not correcting them on that point. It's not like the Lord is saying, okay, it, actually, it is okay to swear falsely. No, he, he says, um, you shouldn't need the oath at all. If you're the kind of person with integrity that you ought to have, you should be able to simply say, this is the way it is. And as you have said, this is the way it is. People say, I can take that to the bank. So, a related word, epiorkos, uh, means a perjured person. A perjured person. There's a list of sins given in 1 Timothy 1.10 for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Notice how liars and perjured persons are right next to each other. They are cousins. A liar is someone who's out there on the street freelancing, and a perjured person is someone who is willing to go into a courtroom and solemnly swear, so help me God, that he's telling the truth, and then not tell the truth. So, 
look at the company that it keeps. I'm fond of thinking of sins as like grapes. They come in bunches and they and they keep unsavory company with one another. Whoremongers, that's pretty bad. Them that defile themselves with mankind, meaning homosexual sin. For men stealers, kidnappers, slave traders, that sort of thing. For liars, for perjured persons. Perjured person is the epiorcos. And if there be any anything else like that, it's contrary to sound. So yeah, don't be like that. God don't never change. He's All right, so the book review this time around is a book I probably, I may have, I mean, look, this is episode 278. Out of 278 times, I may well have reviewed this book before, but this is a, a new occasion for for reviewing it. And let me tell you, uh, the book is Men in Marriage by George Gilder. Men in Marriage by George Gilder. Now, uh, Gilder wrote, uh, so it, it, this book is being released in a new edition uh, this summer by Canon Press. Okay, so we've acquired the right to reprint it. And I wrote the, I wrote the forward and uh, George Gilder wrote a new introduction to it. And we are very greatly honored to be in a position to publish this book. So Men in Marriage by George Gilder, it's out in a new edition this summer. This book was a very influential book in my life. I, uh, back in the early 80s, George Gilder wrote a book that was sort of all the rage in the uh, Reagan administration. And that book was called Wealth, Wealth and Poverty. Wealth and Poverty. It's just a very good book. So I read that book, and I probably read that book because it was a time when everybody else in the country was reading that book. Uh, Wealth and Poverty was um, a big, famous, notable book. And uh, so I greatly benefited by it. And probably I was thinking, that was really good. I wonder if this guy, Gilder, has written anything else. And at the time, he had not written a whole lot. But he had written a book called Sexual Suicide. Now, I haven't, I haven't pieced this all together precisely, but I believe he wrote Sexual Suicide when he was not a Christian, or he was not a Christian when he began to write it. And the, uh, so George Gilder be, began his career as something of a liberal Republican, you know, sort of liberal New England Republican type. And he wrote sexual suicide. And that set a series of um, thought processes in motion, I think. And then Men in Marriage came later, uh, sort of addressing the same themes that sexual suicide uh, did. And Gilder had some uh, sort of notorious, famous clashes with uh, feminists back in the day. And he was just sort of arguing common sense sorts of things. At first, I read Sexual Suicide, and then I read Men in Marriage, and was greatly encouraged and informed and helped by Men in Marriage. Basically, Gilder is on the side of reality. He's not in an argument with the way God made the world. Men are a certain way. Women are a certain way. And those ways are different. And those ways, when they come together, can come together in a complementary way. And that means, when they do, marriage is a certain way. 
there are many uh, valuable takeaways from this book. Uh, but one of them, uh, th- this takeaway was something that actually got me fired uh, from a gig that I had uh, back in back at this time. I had a well. I was writing a weekly newspaper column for the paper here, conservative cultural commentary uh, for the newspaper, and I also was writing uh, uh, or broadcasting a weekly radio commentary for the public radio station over in Pullman, KWSU. And uh, one fateful day, I broadcast on the air something I had learned from Gilder. And the local liberal populace went up like a sheet of flame, and uh, there was a big campaign to get me ousted, after which I was ousted as a commentator for KWSU. So, uh, and this is the the thing that I learned from Gilder that I said on the air, and that is men are necessarily dominant. Men are necessarily dominant. There's nothing you can do to outlaw male dominance. Now, what Gilder points out is that men can be directed in different directions, but they cannot be directed into a place of no dominance. Men are going to want to dominate everything. They're competitive. But the choice that's before us is whether or not that male dominance is going to be constructive and helpful to everybody, or whether it's going to be destructive male dominance. Right, is it going to be constructive male dominance or destructive uh, male dominance? Now, what feminism has done is they've outlawed, they've in effect outlawed constructive male dominance. When they outlawed constructive male dominance, they thought they were outlawing male dominance. But what they were outlawing was constructive male dominance, and what they got was destructive male dominance. And this is, uh, and you can see, you can see the results of this plain as a pike staff, right? I've sometimes thought that pastors, when you have a church retreat, pastors ought to get up a, a game of co-ed volleyball and just sit there and watch to find out how all the men in their church are doing spiritually. You, you know the guy who's playing on the volleyball team and he plays all the positions. He's all over the court. He's everywhere. He, he doesn't know how to cooperate with others. Well, there's something about a ball that brings out the worst in men, the competitive worst in men. And this uh, problem has overflown the banks. We've got men uh, dominating in women's sports now, right? The, dominating women's sports. And here, let, let me show you how to swim fast. Let me show you how to shot put. Let me show you how to weight lift. Uh, so, and then independent of sports, you've got this uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, Bud Light guy who is, he's not competing in an athletic event. What he's, in effect, said is, stand aside, girls. Let me show you how to be a woman. <laughs> Let me show you how to be a girl. What do you, what do you have there? Well, it's, you've got men attempting to dominate everything, but what they're doing is they're dominating it destructively. They're burning the place down. They're destroying women's athletics. They're destroying, they're insulting women. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney is to uh, femininity what um, Al Jolson in blackface was to civil rights. There is no essential difference between blackface and girlface. 